Captain. And we move this a little bit. And she publicly professed her faith in Christ. Step over on that one right there. There you go. That's far enough. Last week, and you heard that, and now she comes before you to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. So you've asked Jesus to come into your heart? Yes. And he is alive there, and he will never, ever leave you, sweetheart. He's so proud of this moment for you. And here, right now, you're going to identify with him in his death and his resurrection. So I baptize you as my sister in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, it just don't get any better than that. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, thank you for moments and for symbols that mean so much to us. This moment is so precious in Emmy's life. She'll look back on this, you know, in her teens and 20s and 50s and 70s. Remember the day that she publicly professed her faith in Christ and followed you in believer's baptism. Now, Holy Spirit, just set the wonderful fire of your presence into her life, and may she grow to be a phenomenal handmaiden of the Lord. Now, lead us in this time of worship that we can give you our heart over and over again. In Christ's name, amen. Let's worship. Let's stand together. Through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, oh, I believe that you are my fortress, and you are my portion, you are my hiding place, oh, I believe you are the way, the truth, the light. this new life in Christ through this baptism. Let's sing these words out. It's a new horizon. It's a new horizon and I'm set on you and you meet me here today with mercies that are new. All my fears and doubts, they can all come to because they can't stay long when I'm here with you. It's a new horizon, I'm set on you. And you meet me here today, mercies that are new. 
Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to the Father except through Him. That's why we celebrate this baptism this morning, this new life in Christ. Amen. You guys go ahead and be seated for just one moment. Welcome to First Baptist Church of Blairsville. My name is Roy Wright, ministry coordinator here at First Baptist, and it is so exciting to start with baptism. Amen? Now, I want to do something um, in this moment. If you know or have spent time with or have invested in the life of Emmy Davenport, would you please stand? Just look at all these folks here this morning. You know what? It's amazing that it takes this many people to invest in the life of a young person, right? Go ahead and be seated. Thank you so much. Mama, I know you're proud. I see that smile there. That's awesome. So it's so exciting to start that way. And um, I just wanted to tell you that we need volunteers to serve in our children's ministry, our youth ministry. If you go to fbcvision.com serve, you too can invest in the life of a child here at First Baptist Church. You may wonder, why am I holding this sheet of paper here? Because as Ben says, nobody carries a sheet of paper anymore. Well, we have uh, been requested to provide sermon notes on a piece of paper for you. We send it out every Friday um, through our flock note system. If you don't receive that, you can let me know in the church office and I can get you on my mailing list to get that. But if you haven't got one of these, they're out in the foyer. And you can also go on your smart device to fbcvision.com slash notes. And I'll give you a little secret. On Thursday, you can have all the answers to the notes already. So they'll be up and ready to go. But there's two things I want to highlight, and then we'll continue in worship this morning. First, we have church conference tonight. It's real important um, for those of you that are members here at First Baptist Church, or maybe you're just kind of thinking about being a member and you want to know what's going on. We have different reports and things that we share at our church conference. So you want to be there tonight at 6 o'clock. We'll be right here in this room. And also, for all of our active church members, um, the search committee has asked us to remind you that today, July 18th, this is actually incorrect. I had a professional editor tell me that I messed up on the date there. It says August 18th is the last day to submit your, to submit your pastor search uh, survey. No, it's today um, by conference tonight. So they're out here in the foyer if you want to fill that out um, and leave it in the box. But we're so glad to be worshiping, so glad we could start with baptism. Let's continue and stand and worship this morning. Faithful, you are faithful forever. You will be faithful. 
in Jesus Christ alone. He is the fulfillment of the promises of God. He is also our cornerstone. Let's sing this song out to him this morning. My hope is built. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Thank you, God. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but holy trust in Jesus name sing that again my hope is built my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness I dare not trust sweetest frame but holy trust in Jesus name Christ alone Christ alone cornerstone weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm seems to hide his face. I rest. I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within. Sing my anchor holds. My anchor holds within the veil. hear your voices. Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. 
faultless stand before the throne. Sing out Christ alone, the cornerstone. Christ alone. We're here to worship him this morning. Let him hear your voice sing out. Christ. Take your Bibles, please, and find the Gospel of John, chapter 8. The Lord's burdened my heart with this series about some of Satan's best lies. And I tell you, the world is really full of them. I've, I've shared two with you already, and third one this morning. And it seems like every time I finish working on one, I, I, God just says, well, what about this? It's, it's phenomenal. The one today, though, you're going to have to put on your thinking cap a little bit, I'll be honest with you. Because the assault, the attack, is against truth itself. And the lie is, truth is whatever you want it to be. And that's really the world that we're living in. Truth is whatever you want it to be. Not so according to the Word of God. The Gospel of John chapter 8, if you'll find verse 31, this is a passage that in our discipleship classes we teach, that we memorize, and it comes very close to our heart. Read along with me, John chapter 8, beginning with verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. Now, here's key. You've got to believe in him. He said, if you abide in my word, live in the word, the gospel, the scriptures, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth. And the truth will make you 
free. Now what you, you hear quoted so much is the truth will make you free. But there's a basis upon which that. Believing in him, abiding in his word, being his followers, knowing the truth, and then it's setting you free. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray to you as truth personified. We live in a land and in a time of unparalleled attack against truth. And truth is just whatever people want it to be. We make our own truth. We walk in it until we don't like it anymore. Then we make our, our own truth again. And then we walk in it. And there's no facts. There's no absolutes in the world we're living in, Lord. And so as believers in Christ, when we hold up the absolute truth and authority of your word, we're like dinosaurs. And we're looked on with such disdain. But that doesn't change the reality of who you are, does it? You are truth whether men believe it or not. And in your word, you speak truth, whether this world will accept it or not. So, Father, I pray for a backbone of stainless steel that your church will be willing to stand on the foundation of the truth of your word in a world that is totally lost when it comes to truth. Let it be so, Lord. We ask in the name of truth personified, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
is that we would fix our eyes on him. Just as Pastor Fred said, he is the truth. We turn ourselves toward him for guidance. Sing out your name. Because your name is the only name that matters. And God, your heart is all. to you this morning. We look to you for faith, for strength, for guidance. We trust your faithfulness. We trust your promise. We trust that the name of Jesus Christ is the name above all names. We trust that what you have said you will do 
Lord, we trust and believe, as Brother Fred said. Help us to live out a life of faith, to go from here, to go from singing together, and to open our Bibles, to come to you in prayer, to live a life abiding in you so that the belief that we profess is more than just a word. It's more than just song. It is life change. Lord, you are truth. So we ask this morning that you be the truth in our lives and that people would see that truth through the way we live. God, I thank you for the opportunity to even sing a song to you in worship and ask that you be glorified in this time that we have to read from your word and be abiding in you here as a body of believers. It's in your name I pray. Amen. As you're seated, take your Bibles and find the Gospel of John chapter 18. While you're doing that, let me just share just a moment. Uh, Roy mentioned this earlier, but this evening is our time of church conference. Could I please encourage you to be here this evening at 6? There are reports that have to be made and and such, and they're good, but we want to share with you some things that God's doing, uh, how he's working in the lives uh, of our youth and what he's doing even now is good. He's got our middle school kids off at Bible camp and how he's worked through your generosity and your outreach. But among other things tonight, we're going to be asking you to decide with us about setting aside uh, Roy Wright and licensing him for the gospel ministry. And so I would need you tonight here to be here to affirm with me what we see God doing in his life. So please have that in mind. Gospel of John chapter 18, if you'll find verse 37. Jesus has already stood before the Sanhedrin. He has stood before Uh, others in this mockery of a trial or justice, and now he's before Pilate. And these two verses I want you to concentrate on today hold a kernel question that's imperative and a question our world is asking now as well. Verse 37, Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. Did you hear that? What is it? To bear witness of the truth. Why did Jesus come into the world? Why was he born? What was his mandate? What was his purpose? To bear witness of the truth. Okay? Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate said to him, what is truth? We don't know how he said that. We we can't hear the inflection in his voice. He may have looked Jesus right in the eyes and say, what is truth? Or he may have just said, what is truth? We don't know. It's probably more like the latter. But this is the question that is begging attention all around our world. Because, you see, the world wants to deny truth. Hear me, please, if you will. Denying the truth does not make it disappear. I want to say that one more time. Let it settle in. Denying the truth does not make it disappear. Some years ago, England 
closed its embassy in Libya. And Muammar Gaddafi, who was alive at that time and ruling, was so infuriated that he ordered England to be removed from every map sold in Libya. In its place was an extension of the North Sea. So even today, if you were to buy a map in Libya, it would not have England on it. But guess what? England didn't go away. Just because Gaddafi says we're not going to believe in it anymore. Just because he was angry. Just because he didn't like what was going on. Denying the truth does not make it go away. And it's imperative for you and I to understand this. In a truth-denying world, that we can stand unapologetically and boldly on what is truth, knowing the world not wanting to believe it does not make it go away. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and settle in real close to us now. Because we're dealing with Satan's very best lies. And oh, how he can take kernels of truth and wrap it up entirely in a lie. And the thing is, so many of us, even in the church, don't see the hook hidden in the bait. Lord, we want to ask what is truth. Not in a, not in a flippant way. But we want to know the truth so we can dedicate ourselves to him and follow him with all of our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Do you think truth is important to God? Absolutely. As you look at how the Bible describes the Godhead, this is imperative. God the Father is referred to as the God of all truth. That's how he's referred to in the scriptures. That's in Psalm 31.5. Jesus is himself, refers to himself as, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not a truth, but the truth. The Holy Spirit is known in John 14, 15, and 16 as the spirit of truth. And Paul writes to Timothy and he says, the church, the church that you're working in as a minister now, Timothy, the church is the repository of truth. They're the custodians of truth. That's who you and I are. Ever since the 60s and 70s, maybe the early 80s, the secular world is asking, you know, what is truth? And they were asking it, some genuinely seeking, but others asking, is there truth? But I'll tell you what's happened since 2000 that disturbs me even more. It's not so much the question of is there truth, it is the question, does it matter even if there is truth? Does it even matter? And that's even more insidious, even more insidious. The most important thing you and I understand is everything we believe and the transformation that's happened in our lives as we have been saved has been based on the truth. You and I are saved by truth. We are sanctified by truth. We are strengthened by truth, uh, edified by truth, comforted by truth. 
The Word of God says these are some of the things that truth does in our lives. But when divine truth is offered into the world of truth rejectors and lie embracers, it is seen as narrow, it is seen as exclusive, arrogant, intolerant. Oh, there's no worse word in the English language in America today than being accused of intolerant. Unloving. Plato, the, 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 the great pro, uh, uh, philosopher Plato, who he spoke even before I was born, okay? He's really old, all right? Plato said this, no one is more hated than the one who speaks the truth. Whew. We live in what is now re referred to as the post-truth America. Back in 2018-19, Merriam-Webster's word of the year or phrase of the year was post-truth. After going through so much truth assault, after going through the, the 2016 elections, after going through Brexit, after going through all of the fake news and everything else, this became the phrase that described the world in which we're living, the post-truth America. After truth has gone and done away with. Here's the mantra. Here's the mantra for today. You live your truth. You discover your truth and live your truth. You be the best be you that you can be. You, you create your own truth and you walk in that. I think that is arrogance to the max. And I've heard it with my very own ears say, who is God to determine what truth is? Don't we have a say in that? We find ourselves redefining marriage, redefining sex, redefining truth and error, redefining love, living lives based on how we feel and how we perceive reality, even if we know our perception doesn't square with reality. And this is not a philosophy that exists way out there somewhere in the world, in the, in the universities or, or in Washington or whatever. It has permeated the fabric of the church of America today. A gentleman came to me, a member of my church, a leader in the church. He said, Pastor, I want to tell you, I want you to hear it from me, I don't want you to hear it from anyone else. I'm divorcing my wife and I'm, I'm marrying a woman who's been my mistress. And I said, why? And he said, well, pastor, it's just like the Bible says, God wants me to be happy. I'm trying to find that verse. I've been looking for it. And I looked him in the eyes and I said, really? He said, yes, God wants me to be happy. I said, no, God in his word says, I want you to be holy. I want you to be holy. I want you to be like me. I want you to know the truth, and the truth sets you free. 
Here's what he said. He said, Pastor, I know that's your truth. And I respect your truth. But that's not my truth. And I need to go live my truth. This is not some way out there philosophy, folks. This is not a lie that somehow all those poor, silly sinners believe. This insidious lie has made its way into the rank and file and pew of every church in America. And so to cast the light of the brilliance of God's Word on this truth and expose it is absolutely necessary even in the church of Jesus Christ today. Those who would argue that, that you make your own truth don't realize how inconsistent that can be. I mean, if, if you can have your truth and I can have my truth and you can have yours and you can have yours, you know, that's fine as long as we don't come in touch with one another. But the minute we enter into any kind of community with one another, those truths are going to clash. And then... Whose truth wins out? Let me tell you, reality. The truth that wins out is whoever is the strongest or the loudest or the most persuasive. And that's why we can vote into law in America today that which the Bible calls an abomination, and we can call it legal and right. The problem is we can't get a real good consistency on what truth really is. And, and, and it's, it's hard to find people who totally agree on that. And so into the midst of that, Jesus says, here's the reason I came. I came to bear witness of the truth. And Jesus also said this, as the Father has sent me, that's how I'm sending you. To bear witness to the truth. The church of Christ cannot shirk the responsibility of bearing witness to the truth and, and holding it forth. You know, without some kind of accountability, some kind of a measuring rod, how do you determine anything? I mean, Michael is my, our middle son, and, and he's, he's a shrimp. He's the smallest of the three. Uh, Chris is about my height, about six foot. Jonathan's six three. Uh, Michael has always been short. He's, 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 he's five foot eight, five foot nine, if he really stretches, you know, okay. And when, when he was little, we would mark the heights of the boys on the, on the, the door frame. And when his baby brother Jonathan passed him, it was just, ooh, it was devastating. So he came in one day, and he, 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 had a, he had a little board that he found down in my workshop, and he had it marked off. And he said, look, Daddy, I am six feet tall. I said, really? And I looked over there, and, and he had his own, own measuring stick, and he had it marked off pretty good increments up to his six foot, and it was right here on him. If you're your own authority... And you don't have to answer to any authority. You can make your own truth. You can be as tall as you want to be. Or smart. Or as innocent. 
you did something wrong, you did something stupid. You don't have to be accountable for that. You don't have to take responsibility for that. You just change your reality. You're saying you change your truth. Oh, I didn't do that. I didn't say that. And you build your world around the reality that you create. And the law of the land is you got to accept my reality because that's my truth. And if you deny my truth, that means I get to deny your truth. And then, then where are we? Well, I'll tell you where we are. We're back to needing a standard. You know, there's a standard of inches and feet and yards. There's a standard of weights and measurement. There's a standard of distance. There's a standard of temperature. You don't get to write your own rules. And somehow we can intrinsically maybe understand that in the natural world, but we think when it comes to the supernatural world, gloves are off and we can write it any way that we want to. And so we say, well, it's just what we can all agree on. And we can agree with what's truth and what's not. And if enough people can get together and agree on their particular brand of a lie that it's the truth and get enough people strong enough and loud enough and powerful enough to agree with it, well, you can do exactly what Adolf Hitler did. And you can extinguish an entire race of people. In truth. Because that was the Nazi truth. And they got enough people to believe it. That you can exterminate a race of people. If there's no objective truth. We can just get a consensus together. The majority wins 51%. Now this is true. And we live in a time ever since... Fletcher's Situation Ethics book that he released, that truth is relative. Well, it's true for you, but it may not be true for me. It may be true for me, it may not be true for you. We've got to accept everybody's truth. You know, in mathematics, it's important where you put the decimal. If you feel freedom to make truth your own way and to move your decimal wherever you want to, that's great. Go check it out at the bank and see what they think about that. Because there's an objective reality to truth we have to ascribe to. We have to conform to. But now, truth is just what's expedient. What was personally most beneficial to me, that's truth. Let me tell you how this works. Thursday, I was out making some visits right down here on this, this intersection. I was in the turn lane to go to the left to go towards Blue Ridge. One car was in front of me. And I was sitting there with a red light. Neither the straight lane or the turn lane were moving. We were sitting still. The east-west track of it was green. And all of a sudden, all I could see in front of me, I heard a crash and I saw debris and two bodies flying through the air. A vehicle had pulled out in front of a motorcycle. And the man and the woman were both hurled from it. Bam, I got out of my truck and ran out there as quick as I could. Several others did as well. I went to the man, checked his pulse. There was no pulse in his carotid, no pulse in his wrist. 
me and another fellow, we rolled him over. And, and you know, uh, I, I stepped over to check on the woman while the other fellow started doing CPR. She had a pulse. She was unconscious. And so a lot of people volunteered in there. We were doing CPR. We were caring for them and such. And then when the, when the police paramedics got there, I had to get up and move my vehicle. It was going to be in the way. They couldn't move traffic, so I had to move and get out of there. That's what happened. But let me tell you what happened in my truth. I did CPR on one of them, stopped the bleeding on another one, put them both over my shoulder and carried them to the hospital, and I was the hero of the day. And who are you to question me? I can create my own truth. I can make my own reality. That's the world we live in. And don't you dare question my truth is holy and sacred to me. Hogwash. There has to be an objective standard or we live in chaos. We just live in chaos. Here, here, here's the world's. I'm, I'm, I'm quoting here. Some think truth is situational ethics. That means whatever situation calls for, that's the appropriate truth. Some think that truth is relatively personal. Whatever a person thinks is right for them is just true. Some think truth is to be found in sincerity. Just as long as you sincerely believe, that makes it true. Some people think that truth is found in popularity. What, is, what does the majority believe? Okay, that's true. Some think truth is determined by education. What is it the most educated among us believe? Well, that's true. It's found in personality. What are the most powerful, influential people in Hollywood tell us is true? That's truth. Truth is to be found in feelings. Truth, truth is what feels right when we do it or say it. Truth is found in results. What's expedient? What works? Truth is found wherever I want it to be. And men despise you. Plato was right. Men despise you when you question that. If you say you have the truth, then you're condemning everybody else. If you say you have the truth, that's very intolerant of you. If you say you have the truth, you're not open for any new truth. As long as we live in this fallen world, we're going to have to deal with people questioning truth. From Socrates to present-day philosophers, that's just the way it's going to be. But truth can be understood not only for what it is, but what it's not. Let me tell you, folks, truth is not pragmatism. It's not just what works. You know, lying works. Lying works. Lying works because you get to create your own reality. Okay? Okay? And the child with his hand in the cookie jar and chocolate chips all over his face when mama says, have you been eating cookies? No. What's that on your face? Nothing. Well, parents, you've got to believe them. That's their truth. Well, you can take that little hiney and get a hold of it with a flip-flop and teach him what truth is. And you have to respect 
truth. It, it's, it's not just what works. It's not just what's comprehensive that everybody agrees on. It's not what feels good, feels right. Let me tell you, God's had to come with me with truth sometimes it's hurt. And he will you too. Truth doesn't always just feel nice and good and comfy and warm and fuzzy. How do we, how do we understand this post-truth world we're living in where you, you don't like what happens, you, you, you just create something else, and, and you create your own data? Yeah, create your own data. You don't have to be true, but you have to just create your own data. And then, then put it out there on social media. Hey, it's got to be true. I read it on the internet. But that's the world we live in. We can create our own truth. What's true for you is all right and whatever. And, and, and God is whoever you want to define him or her to be. Spirituality, I can customize that the way I customize a menu when I go to a restaurant. And here's the one I really love. Love is just personal. Truth is just personal. You discover your own truth, and you just live out your own truth, and you be sincere to your truth. You don't like what happens? Great. Say it never happened. It works for politicians. Why wouldn't it work for you? Recreate it to where you're the hero. You know what the greatest and most dangerous deception is that we're going through in America today? It's self-deception. Self-deception. Where there's no accountability of right or wrong. So in the midst of this, how should we then live? What should Christians do? Well, first of all, you need to anchor yourself into what is true. The Word of God. Folks, You've got to know truth from error. I go back again to something. I, I've shared this with you before. My wife was trained as a teller in the bank. Uh, for many years, she worked in the banking. And one of the things you had to do was know how to spot a counterfeit bill. And especially 20s, 50s, but, but all of them. Now, what they didn't do, they didn't parade 50 counterfeit bills in front of my wife to say, okay, here's wrong and here's where it's wrong. Here, here's, here's what's wrong with this one. Here's what's wrong with this one. What did they do? They studied intently what was true. What was the earmarks of a genuine 20 or 50? How do you spot that which is true? When you know how to spot what's true, it's easy to spot the error. So how do you know it is true? You anchor yourself in the truth, the God of all truth, the word of truth, the spirit of truth, the person of truth, Jesus Christ. And when you know him, then you can spot the lies. Second, stop the spin. Stop, stop the spin. Don't get caught up in the vortex of personal opinions with everybody else. If it's just a matter of personal opinion, you can create your own truth. But if you have to hearken back to something that is objective and reality and written in black and white, then we all can be on the same standard and we can all follow and understand. Third, confess our role in it. Confess your role in being a spin doctor. Confess your role. You will never address what you won't confess. 
And if you haven't admitted that you've kind of tinkered with reality enough just to make you maybe not get in trouble or, or whatever the case may be, if you're not willing to fess up in your own life, you're a part of the problem. And if biblical standards are fine for others but not for you, you're part of the problem. And we have to step up to that. But in the midst of that, embrace love. Be able to love people that have a different of opinion. As, I, as the man said in my office, I said, listen, I love you and I will be here for you long after you make whatever decision you want to. But let me tell you, marriage is a holy covenant before God. And I urge you in Jesus' name to respect that covenant, work on your marriage, forget your mistress, and I'll be here to walk with you. You can love people with the truth. You don't have to beat them over the head with a 50-pound Bible. Love them, but don't back away from the truth. My, my brother was the COO of Log Cabin Republicans, which if you don't know, was the strongest, most well-funded homosexual rights group in Washington. He and I have had many long, hard discussions. Over and over, I've told him the same thing. Dwight, I love you with all my heart. I'll always be here for you. But you're walking in a fantasy world. This is truth. I call you to come back to the truth. You can do this with love, folks. And then... Can I say this, and, and in light of what I shared in my first sermon about patriotism, keep some distance between your political position and your sharing of the truth. I, I, I hate to bust some of your bubbles, and I know I will. Please forgive me, but God is not Republican. He's not Democrat either, by the way. He's not a conservative or a liberal. He transcends all of our political categories. He transcends our nation, okay? Politics matter. We need to vote. We need to get out there and put godly men and women into positions. We need to do all that, but no political agenda is going to change this world. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can do that. So put a little distance between you and your politics and offer hope. In a world that can't find an anchor, we get to offer the gospel of Jesus Christ. We get to offer the truth of God's Word as an anchor to that drifting soul. And so finally, I want to end up here. Don't see this as something to be afraid of. See this as a tremendous opportunity for a world that doesn't know truth from error that swallowed the bait and the hook over and over again, you and I get to say, listen, here is something you can believe in. Here is something you can stake your life on. Here is something that will radically transform who you are. Here is the power of God put in black and white, and in some cases red, okay? Here is 
God's holy word. Can I open it with you? And together, let's find truth. There's never been a time like right now when the world is so hungry and ready for the truth. But do you know the truth? Is your Bible more often closed than it is open? You've got to know the truth for it to set you free. Jesus said, If you abide in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth. And then the truth can set you free. I encourage you, dig into the Word of God. Let us, let us help you digging into the Word of God. Join us in some of our small group Bible studies. Join us in, in Sunday school. Join us in, in some way to where, you know, if, if you're not already well-read in the Word of God, can we help you do that? You better believe it so that you can know the truth. And the truth can set you free to share the truth with those who are in bondage that needs to be set free. Will you pray with me? Father God, these messages are as much to the church as they are to the lost world. And so the invitation is as much to the church as it is to the lost world. Father, as the church of Jesus Christ, we need to step up and be the repository of truth. Those who have stainless steel backbones who will not be moved from the truth of the eternal Word of God. You said, forever and ever, your Word is settled in heaven. We don't have to apologize. We don't have to back off. We have learned our Bible is historically, empirically verifiable truth. And so help us know the truth that not only sets us free, but sets others free. Today, Lord, there may be some here who have never embraced you as their Savior and Lord. They find, have found this sermon very confusing because some things they hold very, very, very true have been challenged, but not by me, from your Word. And their argument's not with me, but with your Word. Maybe today, Holy Spirit, you've tapped on their heart and said, you know, I want you as my very own child. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross to take your sins upon himself and rose again so that you could have eternal life. Holy Spirit saying, come to me. Confess your sins in need of me. Let me transform you. Let me take away all of your failures and make you a new person in Jesus Christ. Come to me. Let me wash you clean. Come to me to be the Lord, the King, the Master of your life. Come to me. Let my word abide in you. And then you're going to know truth and you're going to be free. Father, some here today need to embrace that truth. So in just a moment, as we have this time of invitation, as Roy and Tony come forward and stand here by the altar,
There may be some that want to come and ask you to come into their heart. Some may want to join our fellowship. Others may want to come and just pray. Or some come and just talk. Help to work through to find the truth. Lord, this is your time. You be magnified. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Will you stand please as Ben leads us in this invitation? You come and say yes to what the Lord has put on your heart right now.
Father God, you are so precious to us. Thank you for walking me through my times of being so very, very blind. So many of these lies I've embraced as my own from time to time in life. Lovingly, sometimes with a, a friend or my wife or someone else, you would confront me with truth and I just had no place to stand. But you always did that in love, embracing me, even though you couldn't embrace my truth. Lord, thank you that you continue to love us and lead us into all truth. May we leave from here, be anchored in your word, anchored in your truth. And Father, even now in our minds and hearts, we have friends and family that are so caught up in Satan's lies. Will you give us the courage, give us the words to speak loving truth into their lives and to gently and love thee, relating them to you. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you.